Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Since Brad Cox first came to our attention in 2018, he has released two studio albums and an acoustic album and had multiple nominations for awards, including Golden Guitars, Apras and Arias. He now has a third studio album, Acres, and is heading out on the road. I'm going to talk to him mainly about the album and I can't wait because it is phenomenal. Hello, Brad. G'day. Thanks for having us on. Uh, it's a pleasure. Um, I've so loved getting to know this album, Acres. It has 17 songs. Now, in the olden days, that was a double album, and there was a, there's not a single dud track on it. So oh, I'm wondering at which so stage. Sorry, what was that? I said thanks so much. No, it's uh, they're all great. Very varied in lyrics and, and style as well. But um, at what stage did you realise there were going to be that many tracks? Well, when the world shut down for two years, I didn't have much else to do. Right. <laughs> wrote a lot of songs. Um, I feel like that's a lot of people wondering why Morgan Wallen put 40 songs on an album, and I reckon that was the same reason. What else What else do you do? So um, I, I think for me, th- there was no real realisation. I kind of, um, I, I think what happened is I did 10. I did 10 in one block, or I did seven in one block and had another 10 to go, and I just couldn't, I couldn't cut any, so... Instead of trying to figure out how many to, you know, what to cut to do a twelve or fourteen track album, like has been the standard the last few few years, I thought, bugger it, I'll just do them all. For your previous albums, have you written many more songs than you've been able to record? No, no, I don't really do that. A lot of people do, a lot of people do, but it was definitely a situation of like write write forty songs and choose seventeen, not write three hundred and choose yeah. seventeen, which. Which some people do, you know. Some people have lists and lists and lists of, of stuff to go through. But look, to be honest, if I start something, um, if I start something that's not, I'm not into. I just, I, I toss it. I don't toss it. Like it doesn't get never left again. I always come back to that stuff. Um, but I, I'm not one to sit there for five or six or eight hours and really hone into how to figure it out, how to finish songs. If it's not working, it's not working. You know, and as yeah. I said, it never gets binned. It just gets put back in the list. Um, yeah. the list of ideas or or whatever. Um, so, that, so yeah, that suggests to me that you're a really good self editor. That you that you know your own instincts around songwriting. I'm wondering if you've always been like that as a songwriter. Yeah, definitely. Um, my first album, I don't know how many songs are on it, but if there was ten songs on it, I wrote ten songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I've kind of carried that through. There's definitely been a bit more leeway. You know, the last album I, pr- I probably did. You know, wrote thirty. This one, I probably had 40. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I <clears throat> yeah, I kind of, I kind of know. I, I, I also sift, I have thousands of ideas, but I just don't, don't bring up the ones that I don't think are going to do as well as the other. So yeah, I suppose self editing is the, is the word. Yeah. No, but I'm even curious when you started, because presumably you started writing songs, you know, quite a bit earlier than for your first album, or maybe you didn't. Was that, were they the first songs you'd ever written? Oh, uh, I reckon. I, I tried. There's probably some archives of me being a 12-year-old kid and bashing away at some stuff. Um, but the way my first album worked is I was doing plenty of cover gigs and I'd written a couple of songs. Um, and the guys I was working for in the Territory basically said, 
mugger off home. You're wasting your time here. Like you, the couple of songs you've got are really good. So go home and write some songs and have a crack. Um, you know, stop dicking around in pubs and 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 go and go and do it. So I went back to Jindamar and I lived in a in a little farm cottage with two of my friends and I sat on the deck of that cottage for four months and I wrote wrote the album. So not quite the first songs I'd written, but like dabbled a little bit and they were they were okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and got a bit of a kick up the ass to kind of do something more with it. So for your first album, I believe you wrote everything on your own. The second album, you wrote a few songs with some other people. And with this album, you've actually collaborated a lot more than ever before. So I'm wondering how you came to make the connections with other writers for this album. Um, well, I signed a publishing deal, right? Um, which very quickly gave me access to some of the best songwriters in the world. Um in the early days, <clears throat> a lot of my peers were writing with other people locally and stuff like that. And I kind of, there was probably a bit of ego going on where I went, oh, you know, I'm good enough. I can write a song. And and even down to the fact that um, if if you're going left, I'm turning right. And I just, I've always kind of stuck my own lane and done things a little bit differently and mm-hmm. Stuff like that. So there's probably a bit of that going going on too, which I didn't write songs with anyone in the early days. And then all of a sudden I had access to these people and I sat in those rooms and the songs were phenomenal. You know what I mean? The songs were really, really good. So it was kind of like a get your head out of your ass, pal. Like you got access to the best guys in the world that do this every day and and the proof is in the pudding. Um, and the, and I really quite like learned to enjoy it. Some of them are my great friends now. And now I write songs with like my dear friends, I think. The last album, I wrote seven songs with my mate Joe, Joe Mungovan, um, who is also the guy who wrote the one song on this new one that I didn't write, which is the first time I've done that too, like recorded someone else's song. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the, the progression of co-writing, sure. Yeah, and I saw a quote from you saying, now I know I can do my best work with help from other people. So it does seem like collaborations unlocked something in you as a writer maybe it is partly giving up the total responsibility it's a bit of freedom in that well there's probably a bit of a bit of that I'm also quite a busy human now um you know those early days I was kicking around chasing a few cows and sitting on tractors and going home and you know working nine to five and you know what I mean like there was time to sit down and have a beer and poke away at a song by yourself but now like I've got to schedule that shit into a calendar you know I've got stuff going on I'm flying around the country and and um you know what I mean? Like it's a, that stuff is scheduled now. Like I have to make time to sit down and be creative and write write songs. So that um, it definitely makes it more accessible when someone else is sitting on a in a room waiting for you. You turn up, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, and I really I've started to enjoy it too. And as I said a minute ago, like I've, I've become great friends with some of these guys that I write songs with, and and you know we keep in touch. A lot of them are in in America, and and. Um, yeah, it, it's been it's re- been really good across the board. Is kind of learning how to collaborate with those guys. Mm-hmm. Now, this album was made over the pandemic while you were living at your property in Queensland, and the producer and the musicians were in Nashville. Did that somewhat disjointed way of working mean that you actually had more time to consider each song as you were recording? Because I guess when you're in the studio recording with that with musicians there, maybe it's all like, okay, let's get through them. But this time, you had t- time to consider. I wouldn't say time to consider. I think I put a lot more emphasis on pre-production, mm-hmm. um, knowing that I wouldn't wouldn't be in the room. I sat on I sat on Zoom like this though, between the hours of bloody eleven o'clock at night and eleven o'clock in the morning with the time difference, um, 
and and sat through every session and and gave input and con, you know conversed with the producer and so it was it was as as close to sitting next to the producer as possible right. um in terms of really like kind of diving into every song more than I would have I don't know mm-hmm. I really don't know I've never done an album like that sitting <laughs> next to them so I don't know it's the only time I've I've kind of recorded music with eight dudes sitting with charts in a studio you know what I mean like usually we I've, I've built these songs from the ground up so in saying that probably the opposite I used to spend a lot more time nitpicking through every little bits of the song but this one just just put a bit more emphasis on on preparation and talking through what we wanted to do and writing notes and doing demos and you know what I mean like it was more there was more yeah more put into the pre-production than than um, sifting through every little bit of each song yeah and there's 17 of them it takes a lot of time <laughs> <laughs> now the next question is quite long i wrote down my thoughts so i'm going to read it one thing that's common across your albums is that you're able to produce party song like beer and fission a song about a dog which is bow in the back um which and they're both on the new album and then there's a song like the storm which is heartbreak and heaviness and they're all authentic and convincing while I've no doubt you're drawing on your own experiences for the writing, it seems that you're also really great at connecting to a story and delivering it from an authentic place within you. So I'm wondering about your process as a singer when there's a story in a song that's not necessarily about you. Do you just spend some time or is it the writing process that connects you to that story? No, both. It's definitely both. But when I'm when I'm in a studio singing for like a recording, I definitely have to like, I don't know what you call it. I've only started kind of talking about this in the last two weeks too. There's a few people ask me this question um, as we do all these interviews for the promo of the, the album. But um, I think, I, I suppose you'd call it method acting. Right. Is that what the right word is? You know, is that what channeling? I don't know. <laughs> pretend you're a vampire for 12 months before you do the movie. Um, same, same thing. Like I really, I found that I had to, I think I think it's what makes me likable and accessible and, and, and acceptable and 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 I think um, I think people connect with me because when I can I put myself into that spot I put myself mm-hmm. in and um and you know I see myself sitting at that bar still having the drink with the old girlfriend that you run into that you kind of had a good thing going you know what I mean like I put myself in it and I think that's where the conviction comes from. Um, and probably why it works because I think people do the same thing when they listen to my songs. They put themselves on the bar stool with their that old flame. Mm-hmm. And they had a cool thing going on. We kind of fizzled out years ago. I'm doing right now works. And also, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not pretending. It's it's all it's all true. So that helps a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, quite a few of the songs seem like they're other people's stories. And and I remember from your first album, Water on the Ground, was an incredibly powerful song about other people's stories, although perhaps some of your own experiences. Do you keep your eyes and ears open for stories around you, not just from your own experiences? Every day of my life, every minute of my life, every every everything of my life is, is that. Um, for instance... A few months ago, we were in a small town in regional Victoria and there was this trans person that was getting harassed in a small town and and I thought that was really, really kind of unacceptable. They're, they're my peers, you know, they're the people who listen to my music and, and um, you know, for reasons like that. So, I mean, I went home and, and, and wrote a song which is on her album. This is my partner. I don't think we've spoken about her yet. My partner, Sammy White. 
also got an album coming out in May. Um, but we went home and wrote a song called "You Do You." Like it's all, and it's all, it's all about that. It's all about hey, you know, run your own race, do your own thing, be yeah. be who you are in the town you you choose to live in. You know what I mean? Just because you live in the bush doesn't mean that you're you're not allowed to wear a bloody rainbow jacket and go walking in your bikini. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, it, and it's all about that. And I think. As I said, every minute of my life is finding, not finding, I'm not searching for it, but I'm always ears. And that's, I love people. I love conversations. I love stories. That's why I love country music. So mm-hmm. yeah, every aspect of my life is, is, is those conversations. Um, and not from a point of, I might get some songs out of this, you know, like I genuinely enjoy it. And and when, when great stories or great conversations like that happen, I, um, I, I, I remember them, you know, and I remember them and, might be two years later that I like to write about those songs. But, yeah, I, I'm definitely always looking. I shouldn't say that. I'm definitely always tuned in to the conversations or the stories that I'm hearing. But I think that that approach of yours to, to life and to the world is what we can hear in your voice as well because those what's in your voice is a, a deep sense of empathy or a sound even of empathy for the stories you're telling because it's quite, it, it's it's hard to define in terms other than that. But for me as a listener, I always feel like, you are not only telling us that story, you are caring for that story and conveying it to us, which is why I think that your audience forms such a deep connection with you. Well, I really appreciate that because that's definitely what I set out to do. Um, it is it is genuine. Um, and and I'm, I'm appreciative of that comment because it's, um, it's not something I advertise, but it's something that I really try to achieve just within myself. It makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it, and, it, and it pays off. You know, I think in turn, I have a really loyal fan base mm-hmm. that, you know, they're disgustingly loyal and I just, I love them to death. Um, and I think it's really, I think country, Australian country music fans are unique. And I think Brad Cox country music fans are unique. <laughs> <laughs> and they are the drinking pioneers. <laughs> they are. They are. They're a great, great group of people. So as I, said, I just, I can't. Mate, I'm so respectful of my fans because they allow me to live the dream. They, they, they allow me to live the life I have. I've, you know, I've, I've got a beautiful life that I'm so thankful. And it's it's 99% of it is because they turn up to my shows and they buy my music and they support what I do and they believe in me. They really do. And I think it's also that you uphold your side of that bargain. You know, you deliver music that's that's better and better and better. Your first album was fantastic. You know, you've each album's been magnificent. This one's even better still. So I, I know that as an artist that can put a bit of pressure on you to think I have to, well, no, maybe it's not even conscious, but to to have that relationship with the fans and know you want to deliver. But I do think, from my observation at least, you are upholding it's, it. Well, again, thank you for that comment because it's the one thing that you know, there's all this talk about artists, you know, they worry and worry and worry about the next album is going to be good enough. But that's it. I worry about having a song that my fans will connect to enough, such as Water on the Ground or Bow in the Back or, you know what I mean? Like I I don't care about making it sound better or writing, you know, better songs. I, I want to write I want to write songs that, that connect as much as that it does to my fans. Put it this way, in, in real simple terms, none, none of the songs that, None of the songs that have done like really well commercially are the songs that my fans are singing at the top of their lungs. Okay. Uh, they still sing those songs, but Water on the Ground, never commercially done much. Lake House, never commercially done much. Bow in the Back, I've never actually released yet. 
you know that's that's I've never like professionally recorded that it's on the new album um but they're the they're the songs that I want to write you know the other stuff the other stuff gets me on the on the playlist and gets me the the progression but they're the songs that keep my fans turning up um so that's that's more where I put my energy into that's where the worry comes from is like do I have do I have that song on the on the album and the answer is I never know I never know until it's out and 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 we're touring and and um and people are singing it back to me you know that's the that's the thing so it's all a guessing game but you know what I'm quickly realizing I keep guessing and they keep turning up for me I have to say the lake house is one of my favorite songs every driving playlist I ever make pretty much that song is on um <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful song um I also very fond of somewhere like Cheyenne for driving um but on the current album uh, I wonder if the storm is actually going to be that song because when I first listened to the album, uh, that was the one that hit the hardest through the first couple of listens. Other songs bubble to the surface after that, but um, that is a very powerful song. Oh, I appreciate that. That's actually the one that I didn't write, um, which is which is really cool because, as I said before, my mate Joe Mungovern wrote that. He's a very talented songwriter. I wrote, I've written a bunch of songs with him. Wrote "Give Me Tonight" with him, which was you know the biggest commercially successful song I've had. Um, but he he uh he wrote that song many years ago and he played it live at his shows for many years and he just everyone like all of our friends really loved that song and he never recorded it. He actually he recorded it once and put it on SoundCloud for like three days and then put it down. Like it was like this weird thing. And we always kind of joked with him. I said, mate, if you don't put it out, I will. I'll pinch it off you. Like it's a really good song. And yeah. and then the time came and I I asked him the question. And I said, Can I have it? And and um I think I think for me on the record, like the recording of that song, the production is very different. I, mm-hmm. I really thought about my vocal performance. I find it very difficult to sing in a low register. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when I do it, it sounds really beautiful and there's something different about it. Um, so, I, you know, I've tested all of that kind of stuff and it, it's obviously worked out. But um, the, the yarn of that story is Joe's from Kayama, which is a town just you know, south of Wollongong on the coast in New South Wales. He um from I have to double check with him. From memory, the yarn is he was down in Melbourne playing shows, and quite often the Illawarra gets logged with storms. They have big rain events and flash flood. Like it's quite common, it happens a couple of times every summer. And there was this big storm that was knocking over trees, and and um his mother rang him and said, "Oh mate, maybe stay in Melbourne for a few more days. Like it's just getting it's causing havoc here. You know, there's trees down everywhere and power lines down everywhere and." And uh, then she rang him the next day and the sun was out and everyone was cleaning up. And he and he kind of related that to his life as a musician. And I think that's why I related to it. Um, it's because, mate, we, you know, this this life, we roll into a town, play a show, carry on like dickheads, drink that much beer we had but the concrete and, you know, cause a bit of havoc. Nothing too serious, but you know what I mean? Like we come in and guns blazing and then we jump on a plane the next day and bugger off and leave the mess behind us, you know? And I think that's very, you know, um, what's the word? Um, that's not, you know, we don't come in and trash places, but we, we, the, the concept is we turn up to a town for a very fleeting moment, have the time of our lives and, and leave. And, and that, um, that's kind of where that, that song came from. It's like, you know, we're, we're a storm rolling into a town and then tomorrow it's sunny again and everyone else is left to pick up the pieces um, <laughs> or, clean the, or clean the pub or, you know, throw the cans in the bin from the, from the big show we played, you know, like it's, um, what's that word I'm looking for? It's like, 
It's like hypothetical. I don't know. I'll think about yeah. it. Uh, or metaphor. The metaphor maybe is that's, the, that's exactly yeah. the word I was looking for. <laughs> But everyone's had a good time with that storm. I'm sure that's also part of it. Um, now, you do have a special guest on the track Wildfires, and that special guest is Ian Moss. And I'm wondering, do you just call up Mossy and say, let's do a song together? How does it work with someone like that? Um, I actually don't know. That was left to one of one of the teams that I work with across the many people that are involved with my project. Um, but, uh, like, we were looking for someone to to sing on that song and just got an email saying we've sent it to Mossy and his manager and they love it and they're keen. And um, I was blown away. Ian Moss is the guitar player from the biggest um, band of my generation and, you know, arguably my parents' generation and potentially the generation after us too, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's, you know, he's the guy, he's the guitar guy, he's the Australian guitar guy, um, which is just a blowout, and he was keen, and I got to spend the day with him in Sydney, and and uh, we got on like a house on fire and and, and had a great time and, and went and, you know, yeah, grabbed a couple of beers after the session and and whatnot. I was actually texting him just a minute ago. Um, we're, we're in Sydney at the moment, about to do some launch parties and whatnot, and invited him along, uh, but he's away, unfortunately. But, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's crazy to kind of get to know people like that my my auntie she's blind you know she's a massive chisel fan just you know like it's just crazy it's just really cool um but you know for me it's just it's just you know another muso who's in my phone and hopefully one day we'll get to play the song live together yeah now you mentioned sammy white earlier and you and sammy did put out a fantastic song called love on the line which is not on your album um but and that is her cap and as you said she has an album coming out as well i'm wondering if more duets are in the offing for the two of you? Look, potentially, potentially. I just did another yarn with someone else just a minute ago and they asked the same question. Um, we, we, we've collaborated a little, little bit. Uh, I've got a couple of songs on her album um, that we wrote together uh, and, and I say Love on the Lines on her album too. Um, look, there's nothing in the works. There's nothing in the works. We're still very much separate projects, um, which is which is great, and and things are going really well for both at the moment. We still fortunately get a tour together. Sammy does a lot of lot of work behind the scenes on my project, and and um, so very fortunate that we can travel like that. And she jumps up and sings with me every night uh, on our shows. But look, it's who knows, who knows. <laughs> no, I really enjoy singing with Sammy, and and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed writing songs with her um, in the last couple of years, and. And uh, look, I'm I'm not ruling it out, but yeah, there's nothing on the cards at the moment. <laughs> We've got too much going on with this bloody project at the moment. Exactly. Um, and now for my last question, uh, you said you have said that yours is a rock band with a country problem, and you are taking that band on the road soon. Are these your first band shows since the pandemic? No, no, no. We've done lots actually. We've done a bunch. We did a big regional tour mid last year, which was very successful. I think we did about thirty dates. Um, across the I country. I obviously then, missed that, Brad. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all right. That's all right. Um, and then the end of last year, we did a big theatre show tour, which was just oh. mind blowing. We we played some really big rooms, like thousand capacity um, rooms in Brisbane and and Melbourne. Um, we played in Newcastle. And anyway, that was that was a big that was that was touring. It was a What Brought You Back tour, I think, which was the first song off the album that we released as a single. Um, and then, yeah, so we did that. And then now um, doing, I think we've got 10 shows in June, uh, again, across most of the country, um, going to Perth and Adelaide and Southeast Queensland and Victoria. And, yeah, they're selling really well. And I just, 
it blows me out when we put tours tours on and people turn up. You know, that might be the last fifty bucks that they had for that week, and they spent it on my show. And I just, I'm so humbled by that, and I really don't, I don't mess around with that power. I really try and bring my bring my A game, and and um, so far so good. I think we really deliver on that too. So. Well, I think along. it's back, back to that relationship you have with your fans. They can trust you to uphold your side of that relationship. Um, and you have with this album, Acres. It's out now. It's fantastic. 17 songs, as I said, all killer, no filler. Thank you, Brad Cox, for your time. Thanks so much, mate. Yarn soon. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.